Welcome to season two of the unfamiliar shift with Ariella, the boutique lifestyle leaders associations, hospitality show. This is a podcast about the boutique hospitality community and how its top industry executives and leaders stay up to date on the best innovative trends in boutique hotels all around the world. Each season, I bring my favorite visionaries to candidly discuss new philosophies, ideas, and innovations in the hospitality industry, primarily the boutique community. I'm excited to share with you some of my intimate conversations with these extraordinary leaders as we navigate the unfamiliar shift of boutique hospitality. This episode is sponsored by Solanus, the property management solution for boutique hotels. Welcome back, listeners. In today's episode, we journey into the world of authentic hotel and restaurant brand building with the true industry maestro, Corey Schistler of The Madrona. Boasting over a decade and a half of hospitality mastery, Corey's illustrious journey spans across North America, having his touch on the launches of more than 10 hotels and 15 restaurants. From honing his skills at Boston University's School of Hospitality Administration to shaping unforgettable guest experiences with Viceroy Hotel Group and even spearheading nationwide brand growth as the head of marketing and creative for a sustainable restaurant group, Corey's path has been nothing short of inspiring. And now, as a partner in the chic and highly anticipated Madrona in Healdsburg, California, he's elevating hospitality to newer heights. So, settle in and tune your ears as we unravel the captivating story and insights of Corey Schistler. Hello, Hello and welcome back to season two of The Unfamiliar Shift with Ariella. Today I am joined by Corey Schistler, partner of The Madrona. Welcome, Corey. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Where are you tuning in from? I'm in San Francisco right now working on a project, but usually based in LA. Okay. How is San Francisco? (laughs) You know, I am in love with this city and I... If you see me looking this way, it's because I'm looking at a view of the entire city right now. Wow. Um, I'm very lucky to be, and I am enamored with this city, and I, it, it's going to come back in a really big way, so I'm pretty hopeful. I agree. I agree. There's yeah. a charm about San Francisco that won't go away. I mean, yeah. obviously, there's issues like, am I terrified to leave my car out on the street? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's real. A hundred percent. But I've always said this city's too pretty to fail, and yes. I, I strongly believe that, so... Beautifully said, beautifully said. Um, I've actually, I'm trying to figure out where I want to move next. And it's like either New Mexico or (laughs) to me, California is my favorite state in the whole wide world because we have everything, everything you could imagine. California has even hurricanes now. We even have hurricanes now. (laughs) (laughs) But I've been (laughs) looking up north, um, even like Nevada City, which is two hours from San Fran. But I've been looking up there. Speaking of the Bay Area, today's episode, I really want to focus on the project you completed last year in the Madrona. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's just kind of go through the pre-opening phases because I know that that's really your expertise. Um, So how did so let's like start at the beginning. Like, how did you even come across this project and where is it and what is the concept? For sure. So the Madrona is a luxury boutique hotel and restaurant in Healdsburg, California, which is about an hour and a half north of San Francisco uh, in Sonoma County, middle of wine country, surrounded by vineyards. Um, And it's, uh, yeah, small 24 rooms, over eight acres, um, and was a complete happy accident as to how it all came together. Wow. And how long have you been open now? We've been open now for a year and a half. Yeah, we opened up last spring. Wow. And who are your partners with the hotel? 
So I've got two partners, Jay Jeffers, a longtime friend, uh, who's also the interior designer, and then his brother, Kyle Jeffers, uh, who's based in LA, who does a lot of um, work in the finance world on large real mm-hmm. estate deals. So the three of us kind of got together and and I think our, our skill sets really complement each other, mm-hmm. um, but complete serendipity to how this happened. Uh, Jay Jeffers and I were actually um, living together during the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. And just randomly, I was in San Francisco opening up a restaurant and he said, you know, if you're going to quarantine for two weeks, like, please do it up north where you've got some like, you know, Mm -hmm. nature and open space. So I did that. And obviously we all know that that was longer than two weeks. So a few months into the pandemic, I was still spending time um, up there in wine country. And our friend was the listing agent on the property mm-hmm. and he just invited us over to go check it out just to have something, you know, fun to do something different mm-hmm. to get out of the house uh, in a time where we all needed an excuse to get out of the house in a mm-hmm. safe way. So Jay and I just spent hours wandering around this property, just drinking rosé, going, the hotel was closed at the time and it was about to hit the market and we had no intention of, of buying anything. We just mm-hmm. wanted to see it. And it's really interesting to walk around a hotel when there's no one there, yeah. um, especially one that's been operating for so long. And at the end of it, we just fell in love with it. And we were driving back to the house and I looked at him in the car and I said, I, I really think that we should figure out a way to do this. And he was giddy with excitement. He said the same thing. We brought his brother on and nine months later, we were holding the keys. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I actually did not know that story i think that is so cool pure serendipity i think a lot of people really assume that we were looking for a hotel in the middle pandemic to capitalize on the market and all that and just really it kind of came to us Mm -hmm. and it was just too it was too amazing of an opportunity to not try to pursue that is what i called living in flow like really Mm -hmm. living in flow with your life and following that creativity flow and where it takes you because if you surrender to it these are the opportunities that come into your life. So I think that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, so when you got this property, um, what? how did you create the market analysis and positioning the hotel w- within this new era for the property? Yeah, I think the it's kind of funny because we weren't seeking this out proactively. You know, the conversation was more about what was um, this specific property best suited for. Mm-hmm. But also along with our own personal perspective on hospitality and and vibe and feeling and guest experience. And so, you know, when we were trying to put together our comp set for this and really think about where we're positioned in the market, it was really hard because we wanted this, you know, really boutique luxury experience, which, you know, there is there is a lot in wine country. Um, but just with a cosmopolitan style that we weren't necessarily seeing mm-hmm. um, in Napa or Sonoma. And then you've got these, you know, large resorts like a Montage or a Four Seasons yeah. or a Berge. Mm-hmm. And we felt like we could be them in a lot of ways, but it's also not a resort environment. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of positioned between the two. I think we we appeal to a very specific type of guest who is looking for that cosmopolitan experience, mm-hmm. who wants a high-end cocktail program like they would get in their you know home city of a New York or an LA or San Francisco. Um, who wants this, you know, really high touch luxury level of service, but isn't necessarily looking for that bed and breakfast yeah. um, more like family run kind of farmhouse uh, style property that you see a lot of up there. Hmm. So we, we kind of really realized that we're doing something very new. Um, and that was very interesting for us. And then also thinking about it as a destination in and of itself, which mm-hmm. 
I think a lot of wine country properties fall into people are coming up here to taste wine, to visit wineries. We have a majority of our guests who want some of that, but also are coming because they want to stay at the Madrona and just spend time there. And then yes. Healdsburg itself is now its own destination, which has been great. Oh, my gosh. Healdsburg. I remember going there. Oh, my God. Like 12 years ago. And then I went no. there last year and I was like, no. whoa, <laughs> where am I? Like. It's wild. It's, it's wild. grown so much. I mean, God, I'd mm-hmm. love to live there, but now, now I can't. Like, yeah, <laughs> so I'm going to Nevada it's, City. <laughs> it's exciting. It's exciting. It's incredible. Um, so I wanted to ask you, with 24 rooms, how did you approach wherever you were getting your capital from? Because I know that it, when mm-hmm. it's under 100 rooms, you're under 50. You're under 30 rooms. Yeah. I know that it's a struggle to find funding. How did you approach that with potential investors? Yeah, I think for us, um, well, one, it was 2020 when we were raising money for this in the middle of pre-vaccine pandemic. Uh, It was in the middle of fire season as well. Mm -hmm. And then what else was election cycle? So it was really just everything was stacked against us. Um, We were able to secure some debt, which was really lovely from a local bank who had actually done the original um, loan on the property Mm -hmm. um, when it had become a hotel last. So that was really cool and very serendipitous that they wanted to support our vision and see this property really flourish into its next chapter. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I think we really thought we were going to find, you know, a couple big money investors who just had a passion for it. Yeah. And we found a lot more than just a couple. And you know, we've got friends and family that are involved in in the investment and um, a good contingent of locals, which has been really helpful as well, because they're very invested in the community. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a hodgepodge. But I think the through line, even with with um, with our bank, is that they were all very passionate about the property itself and wanted to see it be successful. Mm-hmm. So it became more of a passion play rather than, you know, what's the return? Like, what's wow. this look like in 10 years? What's our exit plan? So, um, you know, we, we've got some investors that are savvy and want to learn those things too, but a mm-hmm. lot of people who just believed in what we were doing. This is, is like incredible. You don't hear this a lot, Corey. Um, see, this, this will never happen again. <laughs> yeah, like I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. But going back to my comment earlier, when you're in the flow and you surrender, mm-hmm. it just keeps coming because you were obviously meant to build this. Um, that's just more of my side note. Yeah. Um, did you have, because it was a hotel, did you have any permit? So you didn't have any permitting issues, no issues with the community. They were just in full support. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Um, on the on the permitting side, community okay. is a separate thing. I, so it was already a hotel before, and the concept was very different. It was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kind of more of a bed and breakfast on the room side of things, and then on the restaurant side, it was a really nice tasting menu, Michelin star restaurant. Mm. And when we took it over, there was definitely a lot of eyes on us, and I think one of our our initial. Um, goals was really to integrate into the community and share with them what our vision was to get their Mm -hmm. buy-in early on, which was really, really helpful. Um, So I think that, you know, construction wise, we still had to get a bunch of permits. We didn't demolish anything. It's uh, under historic registration. There's, you know, multiple buildings around property, but we weren't moving a lot of walls. So Mm. a lot of the permits were over the counter. So that was, that was pretty easy on that side, more or less. Um, And the county is very supportive. On um, on the other side of things, I think for us, it was um, really about inviting people in. You know, one mm-hmm. of our first events was hosting a happy hour with all of the neighbors that we share this community with um, uh, who all have property that touches the hotel. 
And we just invited them down for a pre-construction tour and showed them renderings. And this is even before press got word of what we were doing. And I think that set us up for success because Mm -hmm. people knew who we were by name and face. They were able to ask us questions about what we were doing. And Mm -hmm. so I think getting that buy-in early on was huge for us. And now a word from our sponsor. Solanus is an intuitive property management system powered by a business intelligence engine, offering the hospitality industry a single robust solution for managing hotels, resorts, vacation rentals, and corporate housing. Its ease of use, streamlined onboarding, and 24-7 support make it the preferred PMS solution. Headquartered in San Diego, Solanus is the vision of hospitality experts and technologists who believe it is time for a new era in property management. Ready to discover how they can work with you to elevate your property? Visit Solanis, S-O-L-O-N-I-S.com to get started. And now back to the show. That is actually incredible advice because you do hear of, oh, I just saw there was a project in near my house in the Santa Monica Mountains. I don't know where, but there was a Bulgari hotel. I mean, a much bigger hotel, but mm-hmm. the community just shut down development i think this was this week so mm-hmm. um hearing your story it's it's you don't hear this a lot yeah. <laughs> and i, I want to now get into another part of your expertise really is like the creative direction and the brand messaging talk to us about the brand pillars the evolution of that and creating the messaging for the madrona yeah i think that um we had a few things on our side already. One, the property um, has so much history to it. Mm-hmm. So there's this already you know, strong connection to community because of how long it's been in Healdsburg. It's almost 150 years old. Wow. And so it's been in everyone's life, you know, generations of people. So that, mm-hmm. that connection to community was already going to be a big part of our brand. And I think for us, I've, I've done a lot of work, you know, writing brand pillars and service manifestos for different um, independent hotels and some small chains. And I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to something that the um, employees, your team are really believing in because mm-hmm. that's where all of that kind of comes through. So you've got, yes, the marketing messaging and what is happening within um, the press release, but there's also like, what is it at its core? Yes. And Uncommon Hospitality is one of the ones that we really latched onto. Mm-hmm. That was in you know public facing uh, materials as well as our internal service training, but really trying to... Um, from the get-go, if someone hears uncommon, you know, their their mind runs wild, their imagination gets going, where they start thinking about like what's different, what could be, you know, a fun surprise and delight. And, you know, that term is used a lot in boutique hospitality, but we had eight acres to play with and a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, different little bells and whistles that we could pull on. And um that was really kind of the core of it, is really um creating some magic with the place because it already had so much and just building on top of that. Yep. I love that. So you're still keeping like the integrity of the history and then just kind of building on to like this next generation. Yeah. I think the property, you know, was asking for, um, it was asking for more life to it. Mm -hmm. You know, the restaurant was amazing, but it wasn't, um, as like rambunctious and buzzy as we wanted it to be, because that's what we like. Mm -hmm. And I think going back to our own personal perspective on it, that was really helpful in designing the brand. Yeah. And we wanted it to be a place where you could dress it up, dress it down, have it be approachable, um, but really give people eight acres and seven buildings to live a lot of life in, in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways, yeah. and let this kind of just be this magical little playground for people. And that really helped definitely Jay on his design and me mm-hmm. on experience and programming. 
So there's a really nice through line to it. That's incredible. I want to ask you another question because I get this a lot with people opening up their first hotels. Do you budget for PR? How do you create that budget? And what did you do for the Madrona? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think PR is is pretty um, essential. Mm -hmm. Um, I always have. I think, you know, in, in most markets, there's just the Madrona wouldn't be successful today without our PR strategy. And uh, we use a firm here in San Francisco called um, it's Jen Wade PR. And she has worked with Jay and has done his PR for a decade. Mm. And uh, coincidentally, I was actually working with her on my last restaurant group when I was opening up that restaurant here in San Francisco. And so Jay and I both had a working relationship with her. She already had really great luxury lifestyle and hospitality experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of a no brainer to bring her on, Um, you know, in the budget process, it's, it's a chunk out of the pre-opening budget. Um, And, you know, we, we, as a small hotel, you don't have the budget to have that ongoing proactive PR throughout Mm -hmm. operations necessarily. So we really wanted to push um, from the get-go early on before we opened. And then a few months after to really let um, her and her team run with it. Okay. But you're saying it is completely essential pre-opening budget for PR. Yeah. I I mean, I think depending on the type of concept that you have, you know, we we were going big, we were going for something that again was cosmopolitan that was going to make waves. That was going to be something that people in LA talk about and treat Mm -hmm. as a weekend destination the same way they treat Palm Springs. Wow, It's still two hours door to door. There's just a a plane involved. (laughs) And so for us to be able to tap into these big markets and kind of break through the noise in California, which Mm -hmm. is our main market, you know, we needed to be in publications. We needed people to understand the story that we were telling and get into the right roundups and be in the right, in the right magazines and, um, and on the right lists. And, And we got that. And it's been a huge business driver for us. What about now? So like now that you're a year and a half in how has your PR strategy shifted a bit now that you've been open mm-hmm. for a while? Well, I mean, earlier this year, we were kind of reaping the benefits of all the work that was done last year. Mm-hmm. So getting us submitted for, you know, every list, getting the right editors out there. So when there's mm-hmm. um, something like Condé Nast hot list, yeah. we're already on their mind because they've seen the property. And so this, this spring, I say humbly, like it was really amazing because we continue to get press hits from Condé Nast Hot List, Travel and Leisure It List, um, Best Hotels in the World and Travel and Leisure, which was amazing to get at a, as a Reader's Choice Award in our yeah. first year being such a small hotel. Wow. Um, Esquire's Best New Hotels. So it was just, we could see the fruits of uh, the team's labor from mm-hmm. last year um, paying dividends this year. And so we don't we don't have proactive PR at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I cover a lot of it. Our management company covers a lot of it. So we've always got a lot of interest coming in, but I think we've we've kind of hit that mark where we've established awareness of what yeah. we're doing. Yep. And then, you know, seeing the benefits of it today. So like what I'm kind of hearing is this is why you kind of take out that big budget at the pre-opening with someone who really knows what they're doing, has experience in luxury hospitality, boutique, whatever it is, so that they kind of like have created this foundation that'll keep running and then mm-hmm. it'll just kind of flow. So sometimes you'll need more PR, sometimes less. So it kind of comes in waves. Exactly. And I think now what we're seeing is that a lot of the PR work that we're involved with and, mm-hmm. and projects and, and placement 
it's um for example flowers winery um they are down the street it's one of my favorites our guests love it um they have their own pr strategy their own pr team but they were doing a huge um press trip and their writers needed somewhere to stay yeah. and we decided to partner on this trip so they're staying with us they're having an experience at, at the madrona while they're having most of their experience based mm-hmm. on on flowers and what their pr needs were mm-hmm. but we got this halo effect from that and okay. i think now that we've got these relationships built there's mm-hmm. a lot more of that kind of collaborative pr effort that can happen i like what you said cuz i was i wanted to ask you about influencers Mm-hmm. And you're you're talking about building a relationship with editors. Do mm-hmm. you do the same with people who necessarily aren't associated to a publication who really just have a platform on Instagram or TikTok? Is that do you focus on building relationships with them as well or more with the publications? Um, I think it's I think it's equal. I think what's really interesting about kind of influencer marketing right now, a lot of our original influencers that that kind of came to the Madrona who were invited proactively were really people that we had in our own networks already mm-hmm. um, that I just knew were going to take great content and 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 really be the right kind of platform for yeah. us to be a part of. Um, you know, we had a full influencer strategy early on. There's a lot of people that I thought would would be really, really great for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're charging a, a very large amount of money for a little bit of content. And I understand um, the brand value in a lot of that, but for a small hotel like ours, that's just not possible to pay $50,000 for a carousel of, of images. And I find that it's not necessarily always the business driver, right? There's, Mm -hmm. there's an awareness thing. I think a lot of people know of our restaurant through TikTok content, Mm. the hotel, you know, you're tapping into a different group of people who maybe aren't reading every travel publication. Yep. And I think that's very important. So right now we get a lot of inbound inquiries of people wanting to stay and we kind of vet them through just kind of their vibe. It's less Mm -hmm. about audience. I think right now, Mm -hmm. one other piece of being a small hotel is we don't have the budget ongoing for huge, well-produced, overproduced photo shoots and video shoots. So I really rely on influencers uh, as content creators as well Mm -hmm. to share their content with me so that it keeps me with this nice drum beat that's consistent of new images, new videos and reels. And that's been very, very helpful. Okay. That's a really interesting insight because I've just seen the influencer world shift. And I like, I actually like what you said where you're like, you know, it's not always about audience, 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 but it's the vibe because I, I have a friend who's a huge influencer, but she has this, like she's an artist in her work. And then she struggles because there's these companies that are like, no, like, what is your, you know, engagement, da, 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 you know, number, number, numbers. And she's like, that's not how I work. Do you like my mm-hmm. art? Yes or no? Yeah. Like, it's a yes yeah. or no question. And I, I was like, yeah, girl, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that because yeah. it's not always the numbers aren't always going to prove to you the effect that mm-hmm. they're having. Um, and yeah, especially I mean, with the algorithm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's got to be a win-win. So if I've got a content Absolutely. creator who's really amazing, who wants to work on trade, who's going to give me amazing content for me to share on my own platform, there's a bunch of value in that. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily expecting that uh, I'm booking rooms through their channels, but they're getting an experience out of it. I'm yep. getting really you know, well-done, well-produced content for myself or mm-hmm. for free, essentially, on trade. And that that's fine by me. And I really... I appreciate those relationships as well. So that's interesting. So it's like, I feel like with the editors, that's where you're going to get a lot of bookings. And then with Mm -hmm. the influencers, that's where you're going to get your content to continue to stay relevant within the social Mm -hmm. media world. 
Exactly. Interesting. And I think right now, you know, we've built the brand awareness through PR and mm-hmm. a bunch of social media content. Um, it's really the digital marketing efforts that we have that are driving bookings and really getting hmm. into the weeds on SEO. And we 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 approach that very much like a larger hotel or mm-hmm. hotel brand would, just because I'm I'm pretty hopped up on metrics and data and really understanding where our dollars are spent and the ROI on that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, press and, and influencer engagement, you can't really measure that. And yeah. I really like that on the digital marketing front. You know, what promos are we running? Where are we yes. running them? Who's seeing what? What's producing results? What's mm-hmm. resonating? Yep. And then building upon that has been kind of the, the cornerstone of that marketing strategy. And that's where numbers belong is within yeah. that strategy. Because I think sometimes yeah. when we try to plug numbers into everything, that doesn't make sense. It's like that balance, like with the three of you as partners, you have to have someone who has like the finance because mm-hmm. without that, it's very hard. Like for me, I'm more creative. And then my mom is really more on the finance side who like keeps yeah. me grounded while I have these big ideas. Like we're going to change the world. And she's like, okay, but like, here's how much money we can spend on this. Yeah. Um, it's balance. It's, it's totally balance. balance. And it can be hard sometimes to have, you know, the three of us would have very interesting conversations early on, but at the end of the day, uh, you would see everyone's got their unique perspective and we can really start to understand each other yes. and and the viewpoint that the other person has. So we can work together to figure out, OK, so that's the budget. That's Jay's design vision. And here's my hospitality input from all of mm-hmm. my experience in the industry. Where where does the Venn diagram kind of come to a center point? Or is this one of the things where you've got to compromise? Yes, yes, compromise. That's a lot of the times. Um, Well, Corey, I want to end our conversation by wondering what's next for you. I think a lot of things. Um, So I'm currently in San Francisco working on a new project, um, which is a legacy um, restaurant group here called Mm -hmm. Izzy's, uh, a 40-year-old steakhouse concept that we're revamping for for the next chapter while Mm -hmm. still honoring the history. So similar to Madrona in some ways. Um, and really looking for my next development opportunity. I think I want to do more of what uh, I built with Madrona and, mm-hmm. and you know, have this role where I can really sink my teeth into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll probably take on some interesting consulting roles soon, too. So I like to have a lot of things going on at once. Oh, my gosh. Keeps, I'm the same. Keeps me, my creative brain busy and yes. in flow. Yes. I think that's the creative brain. Like, I have to have multiple things. It's even how I read. Okay. How do you read books? Do you read multiple at one time? I do. Me too. Do. Me too. It's, it's based on mood. Right? It is. Like some books I want to pick up because I'm in this mood. It's the same thing yeah. as anything else. It's like eating. Oh my God. Wait, I'm yeah. the exact same way. Like I have four books depending yeah. on my mood. I wonder if this is like a commonality with creative people. I love it. <laughs> I think it could be. It just, yeah. it, it's, it's hard when you forget what you were reading, especially in in fiction. Yes. It, I've got to like read back a couple of chapters sometimes. Oh my God. But I'm even thinking like yeah. on my podcast, like I have yeah. a fine, like how do we financially well podcast? I have a health podcast. I have an astrology podcast that I'm oh, like wow. always keeping up to date, like daily. I'm like, where am I going? And then I have a be a girl boss podcast. And it's like, even wow, in the you're podcast, doing it. But that's how my brain is. It might be ADHD. Who knows? I have no clue. But, you know. Lean in. You're in your flow. I'm in my flow. Thank you, Corey, so much for this great conversation.
Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Unfamiliar Shift with Ariella. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Let us know what you think. To learn more about the world of boutique hospitality, be sure to check out our website, bla.org. And thank you to Solanas for sponsoring today's show. 